This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the July 25th episode, and we, as always, are dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. I am your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. We are keeping it in the family today, the Rotoviz family. We welcome in Neil Dutton, contributor here at Rotoviz, does fantastic work, as well as number fire, Roto Underworld, and two QBs. He was a major part of the Rotoviz player profile draft kit and is one of the absolute best and funniest guys in the fantasy football industry. Please follow him on Twitter at ndutton13. Neil, thanks for coming on the bag from across the pond over in jolly old England. What's good, my friend? Very little good at the moment. It's absolutely pouring down. Uh, we've obviously had our summer. Uh, we had a couple of hours of sun, I think, on Tuesday. That's obviously <laughs> us done. Um, so just trying to dig out the the galoshes and the and the Wellington boots for the rest of the summer, in inverted commas. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Well, we are recording this a little early because of vacation plans, and we are recording it actually while we just heard on social media that Tyreek Hill is not going to be suspended. The uh, NFL said that they discussed this with the local authorities and felt that they could not verify a violation of the NFL conduct policy. The police also, until they receive any more information, or withholding charges. What does this mean for Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs offense moving forward? Well, one of the big problems that people seem to have regarding the Chiefs um, when projecting fantasy output this year was how different would they look without Tyreek Hill? And people were, you know, falling over themselves to say nice things about Sammy Watkins or Nicole Hardman or whether Travis Kelsey would actually get 250 targets. Now, obviously, all that goes away because Tyreek Hill looks like he's going to be available for the whole season, as it were. He's been fairly durable, so there's no injury problems. As I say, we're not here to judge the actions of which he has been found not guilty of, well, not even said to have carried out. We're just basically saying that people who've been drafting Tyreek Hill up to this point have got themselves an absolute steal for what we've seen from Hill in the past. I mean, he was going, I think he went in the seventh round of the Scott Fishbowl, the division I was in, Pat Thorman uh, of Established One took him, and it was a bit like, that's not a bad pick, depending on how many games he's going to have him for, and he's going to have him for all of them. So, you know, one of the most dynamic playmakers in the NFL that people have probably been taking at a huge discount, thinking they're not going to get a full season out of him, 
They're now going to get a full season out of them, and that puts them in the driver's seat, whether by luck or by design, who can say? But it's absolutely huge for that reason, because it basically means that Patrick Mahomes has got a good chance of still being Patrick Mahomes and not having a huge... Um, it's not his sophomore year. Obviously, that was last year. Huge next year uh, drop off. You know, and I think it's interesting because a lot of the Tyree, a lot of the situation with Travis Kelsey, particularly in Scott Fishbowl with the tight end premium, was based on Tyreek Hill not being there. But certainly, Hill coming back is going to affect Kelsey. I don't know if he was a smash. You know, as early as some people, Neil, were taking him at the 101. I don't know if that was now with this information coming out. I think he gets downgraded a little bit. Well, I took him at the 104 and was, you know, patting myself on the back for it because, you know, haven't I I sold everyone in this division a dummy with doing that? I still think because the way the, the Scott Fishbowl is set up that having one of those elite tight ends is an advantage um, then otherwise you know you wait and take him a bit later I mean of the three for me Kelsey was still the safest um, he's done it for a consistent number he's been consistent for a number of years Zach Ertz I don't think he's going to have as many targets as he did last year the Eagles uh, certainly went out and upgraded their offensive arsenal for Carson Wentz and George Kittle got an awful lot of his yards after the catch which isn't a particularly sticky statistic so he's like likely to fall off as well whereas Kelsey's done it year in year out with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes so even if he just sees his usual number of targets I still think he's going to be safe in that format and in most formats because he's Travis Kelsey I put a tweet out uh, about two weeks ago talking about the percentage of wide receiver one weeks for the top 30 wide receivers in ADP. At the time, Tyreek Hill was wide receiver 23. Now, the people who he was getting drafted around, the other receivers were Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, Mike Williams, Sammy Watkins. Tyreek Hill, over the last two seasons, has had 12 wide receiver one performances. That's 38.7% of his games played. That is comparable to Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, and is better than some other receivers that are ahead of him, like a Julian Edelman or a Brandon Cook. So I agree with you. If we just look at it from a fantasy perspective, and some people don't want to draft him for the other reasons, and I respect that, he was a tremendous value and is going to skyrocket his ADP very, very soon. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. A lot of chatter, Neil, among NFL players that they are very unhappy with their Madden rating. This has become a huge thing. Honestly, it's a great commercial for Madden. They must be loving it. What would be your best quality if you were in Madden? Your speed, your vertical, your route running? What would Neil Dutton's go-to ability be? Well, I mean, whoever came up with this, the idea of leaking these rankings ridiculously early for Madden should be getting an absolutely huge pay rise because <laughs> the, the, it's just literally, as you say, it's taken over the Twitter sphere. Um, I think my highest ranking would probably be um, ability to suffer catastrophic injuries at a, <laughs> you know, in, an, in an amusing way. You know what some people, when they come up trying and say why they couldn't do something, why they couldn't go somewhere, they come up with this weird, elaborate story that's one bizarre incident after another. Yeah, that's me, except I don't make it up. It actually happens. So I'm 99 on that. I wouldn't, you know, there's no selfie videos of me sat in my car slating EA Sports. They've nailed that. I'm, you know, bottom of the roster, whatever it is. But in that skill, no one can touch me. That's tremendous. Listen, I don't begrudge any NFL player for holding out and trying to get more money. We've heard about it with Le'Veon Bell, Melvin Gordon now, Ezekiel Elliott. I have no problem with this, but my counter, Neil, is if I was an owner, 
I would be very apt to say goodbye whenever any of these running backs really start going diva. Within reason, I'd give them a contract, but if it got excessive, I'd say no. RBs have been replaced time and time again. I remember having a huge argument with a Steeler fan, diehard Steeler fan, how I thought Le'Veon Bell could be replaced by James Conner, and all I got was the proverbial LOL on text for like three weeks. Where do you fall on this argument? Do RBs matter? And if you're in the situation with the Chargers and the Cowboys, what would you do with Gordon and Zeke? They do matter. They just don't matter as much as they used to. I mean, I, I came into uh, when I first started watching the NFL, um, I can tell you the exact date. It was November the 19th, uh, 2000. Uh, first game I ever watched was the Jets against the Dolphins. And I think Jay Fiedler got knocked out the first play of the game. So it started well and pretty much got better from that. But that was still an age when running backs did matter. They were the stars of the NFL. We, you know, we still had Emmett Smith was still just, you know, just finishing off. Barry Sanders only just retired. They were cornerstone pieces of the franchise. Fast forward 20 years, and they're not. I mean, having a great running back is a huge help, but you can't guarantee on them being great for eight years, the, you know, going into their second contract, whereas quarterbacks, wide receivers, even tight ends to an extent, you can probably get more out of. And I would never begrudge anyone who wants to get paid. We all do. That's, you know, it's why it's called work. We go out to get paid to do it. Um, but you come out and say, you know, like it starts a few years ago, Le'Veon Bell, I want to be paid as a number two receiver. No, S- simply, you know, if I'm the Roonies or I'm any other team, you should pay me like a number two receiver. Yeah, you can go somewhere else. Or we'll do the, yep, we'll run you into the ground. You know, we impl- your full contract, franchise tag if we've got the space, and then we'll cut you loose because while we may not find someone who's as good as you, we can probably find some way of reproducing the production that you give us and we'll move on with there because we want to pay our quarterback. We want to pay our left tackle. We want to pay our wide receivers. And I see running backs are not the divas that wide receivers and cornerbacks have been over the years. But you have to say that the like Melvin Gordon and Zeke, they're not coming out with, you know, it's not outlandish. It's not diva-ish. They're not coming out saying I'm the best player in the NFL. But Melvin Gordon, his knees look like they're only slightly better than mine. And Ezekiel Elliott can't stay out of trouble. So I'd keep my voice down if I were you, the pair of you. You know, you're going to be great in fantasy. You're going to get taken ridiculously early in 2019. What 2020 and beyond holds, I don't know. But, you know, this is dynasty. Take your running backs early, then get rid of them before you absolutely have to. But that's what it is with me. These are great players and they are assets to their team. But if they want to start getting paid like the top ranks, I can't. I mean, I won't. I'm not paying them. But I think it it is a replaceable position. That is the world we live in. And the issue with Le'Veon Bell, I made a great point. Le'Veon Bell was offered a contract before he decided to sit out. It's not like the Steelers shut him down. They gave him a very favorable contract, which I believe was better than he ended up getting. So the issue is these running backs have negotiating power. It's just they overplay their hands when it becomes this dramatic thing. I mean, if Zeke ends up not playing, which I think he will, I think they'll work it out, and Mike Weber, Tony Pollard, these guys come in and they end up producing, you lose your leverage. So there are offers on the table. I'm sure Melvin Gordon get a decent offer right now, and I'm sure Zeke can. It's just we don't need the histrionics. We don't need this grandiose. Just 
be realistic. If not, we'll see what happens. I think Gordon gets it done. I talked about it with Jake Seeley last week because obviously Philip Rivers' window is closing, right, for a title. So I think they find a way to get something done. But it's that when it becomes, you know, that we're all Walter Payton. That's not the case. And I think there is good money to be had if they're reasonable. And of course, the worst thing that could have happened to the running backs like Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott was Todd Gurley getting paid yep. and then falling away at the end of that se- first season after getting paid all of a sudden losing touches to CJ Anderson because he's not healthy. Because regardless of whether it is, whether it's arthritis, whether it's, you know, his leg falling off, whether whatever it is, other teams will say, well, look what happened when they paid their stud running back and he just fell off a cliff. We don't want the same to happen to us. So this is our offer. If you don't like it, you can go away. Well, speaking of offers, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. That subscription gives you unlimited access to our premium NFL content, and best of all, it supports the pod. That's at rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. And another great way to support the pod is through patreon.com. It's in our second season. It's better than ever. Patronships start at just $6 per month. You have exclusive access to the Rotoviz Radio Slack channel where you can talk to myself and Neil and all the writers here. Patrons only. You can jump in and ask our opinion or rip us for our opinions. Either way is fine. I've really enjoyed it so far. We've been interacting back and forth. Patrons get first crack at the Rotoviz Listener Leagues, which are starting, and at the higher end of $9 per month. Great deal. You get some Rotoviz merch. So become a Rotoviz Radio patron today and join the exclusive community at patreon.com forward slash Rotoviz Radio. Nice way to help us continue the industry leading content and all the shows we do free each week on the network. Neil, we're going to go to inflection point time. From my old AP calculus teaching days, inflection point is where that curve changes direction. So I want to get your thoughts on how these key inflection point players are returning from injury and how they're going to perform this year. Are they going to rebound from their injury and meet or exceed expectations, or are they going to go south towards the abyss? First up, tight end, Hunter Henry with the Chargers, tore his ACL in May of 2018, returned for the playoff loss to New England last season but didn't get a catch. What are your thoughts and projections on Hunter Henry this year in 2019? See, I really liked Hunter Henry after his first two years because he was ridiculously efficient despite not commanding large volume. Uh, but I think in terms of yardage in the first two years, he's right up there among with some of the best in the NFL. I think, you know, the likes of Rob Gronkowski or Jimmy Graham, he's up there in terms of yards. And also he scored a hell of a lot of touchdowns in that first two years. Now, it was all set up for him last year. You know, Antonio Gates had retired. Um, there was, you know, there was a few question marks about Tyrell Williams or about Mike Williams. So Hunter Henry had this role that he was going to, you know, take all the Antonio Gates targets. And while he may lose efficiency he'd make up with volume and then you know Murphy's law being as it is you know Parkinson's law I'm, I, I can never remember all these laws whatever will go wrong can go wrong yes can Murphy's law injured. yes That's Murphy's, Murphy's law. right yeah. Murphy and Parkinson they're all the same to me <laughs> um, and then he gets injured but you know his timing for his injury he came back against New England that was symbolic he was on the field but he wasn't in the game <clears throat> so you look now he's now you know nearly 14 16 months removed from that ACL injury there are targets available on the Chargers. Obviously, they've lost Tyrell Williams. Mike Williams is expected to take on a large chunk of them, but he's a different type of player. And Hunter Henry has shown in the past, as I say, that he doesn't need huge volume to be efficient. So I like him. I, I, his ADP at the moment is worrying because, say, he's not one of the top tier and he's too 
too much in the middle for me at the moment. And so I prefer probably to wait. But if I could somehow get Hunter Henry, I would not complain. And next up is Mr. Vegetable Lasagna, Lamar Miller with the Texans. Now, his big competition returns Dante Foreman, Torres Achilles after that great 34-yard touchdown run in Week 11 of the 2017 season. He did come back in Week 16 last year. He scored a TD, but he ended up with negative one rushing yards. Now, Pro Football Focus ranked the Texans' offensive line as 31st recently. So is he going to be able to beat out Lamar Miller behind what's going to be another poor offensive line probably in 2019? See, Lamar Miller's one of these players he's he's always there and you, it's the, the old adage that you, well you know what you're going to get from him yeah but it's crap that, that, that's yeah. we're not going to get anything <laughs> he doesn't catch the ball he doesn't score touchdowns I mean he, he is what he is and he's had plenty of opportunities because the Texans under Bill O'Brien have ran the ball so often and they've restricted Deshaun Watson last year so many times to keep handing the ball to Lamar Miller. It's just like this has been crying out for them to go out and and draft a, a running back reasonably high, to trade for Duke Johnson, to at least pick up the phone to San, uh, San Diego, Los Angeles, and say, this Melvin Gordon cat, any chance? Their, their offensive line is a joke. It was an absolute travesty. It's going to get their quarterback absolutely destroyed. But Donta Freeman, I say it's one of those, it's, you know, he only has to unseat Lamar Miller. It's not complicated on paper, but he's coming back from an Achilles injury. It's been one of those injuries that has been it for running backs. You get this, you're done. You see, he did play against Philadelphia uh, late last season, but my God, he looked slow. He looked cumbersome. And I know he's had a bit more time to recover, but I just don't think he can unless he's absolutely 150% healthy, which is a tragedy because the role is ripe for fantasy production, but it's just being left in the hands of Lamar Miller. Mathematically, I define the role being ripe as Alfred Blue had 150 carries last year. I mean, that, that's all you need to know, right? It's there. It's just, can he take advantage? San Francisco 49ers QB, Jimmy Garoppolo, lost for the season last year, torn ACL week three. He is the QB20, Neil, at Fantasy Pros ADP. Now, I put a tweet out recently. He was QB10 last year. So my question is, he's dropped off 10 spots. I think it's because out of sight, out of mind. If everyone was right last year and he's closer to QB10, this could be a massive value this year if people are getting him where they're, where he's going right now. It could be, but the problem with Jimmy Garoppolo is, in the words of you know the podfather, you know, Fancy Mansion, Matt Kelly, he is the prince of small sample sizes. <laughs> He, he had, was it two games as a starter for the Patriots and looked good. He went 5-0 and for the 49ers at the back end of 2017 and looked good. He had three games last season and didn't look good. So now it's a question of, well, we, we still don't know what type of quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo is. The 49ers last year were ridiculously productive at the quarterback position with CJ Beathard, but more so Nick Mullins. Now, obviously, you would hope the money they've invested in Jimmy Garoppolo that he'd be better than Nick Mullins. But in terms of what's actually been put on paper, we can't say that for certain. Now, they've upgraded um, their offensive um, skill players. They, George Kittle wasn't really George Kittle at this stage last season. Uh, they've got Dante Pettis, who's another year into the system. Um, Marquise Goodwin you know, is one of these people that someone keeps trying to trade trade him to me in our, one of my dynasty leagues. Seriously, you're overvaluing him because I don't want him. Um, and so there are pieces in place around Garoppolo, but he could be you know, steal because, as you say, QB 10 last year, QB 20 now, you'd think, oh, that's 
potential for value, but it might just be that's actually what he is. And he's he's a risk because there's a good chance the 49ers are not going to be very good again. The other one I want to get to, and this is an interesting one, the old age app is really the, the, the craze right now in social media. So I'm drawn, Neil, to some of these old players. Delaney Walker, he was on the active PUP list during training camp. He isn't cleared to play. If he's, if he's on that list and he's not cleared to play at the end of the preseason, he can be transferred to the reserve PUP list, which prevents the player from playing and practicing during those first six weeks of the NFL season. But if he's ready to go week one, I think people are, seeing, are thinking 34 is the new 44. Walker is currently being drafted as a tight end 12 on fantasy pros. After those first couple tight ends, the Kittle, the Ertz, people like that, there's a huge wide open area there. This is a guy that's not that far removed from being a top five tight end in multiple seasons, no? No, I say I think he was one of three tight ends with three consecutive seasons with 800 or more receiving yards. And we've seen how big an impact he has on Marcus Mariota. I mean, Mariota has been, I think we can be polite, awful for two years, but he hasn't had his full cadre of weapons. Delaney Walker hasn't been an every-down player. He missed pretty much all of last year. So we've seen that Mariota can be productive when he has Delaney Walker by his side. And Delaney Walker, you know, we know that the Titans aren't going to fill the air with footballs. They're going to want to run the ball. They've come out and said they're going to want to ride Derrick Henry because it's a contract year. And that's great. But if by doing that they can improve Mariota's efficiency, it's therefore logical that if you believe in Marcus Mariota, which I tend towards doing, I just think, you know, I think the Titans believe in him. You look at the players they've brought in, say Corey Davis, AJ Brown, Adam Humphreys, they want him to prove them right. And I say the best player to bring that in is the player he's got the longest relationship with, and that's Delaney Walker. Now, as I say, if you're not going to get Kittle, you're not going to get Ertz, you're not going to get Kelsey, and you want to wait on tight end, then Delaney Walker's an excellent player because he's not going to get, you know, absolute mega volume. But we've seen on a weekly basis, all tight ends have to do to be a top tight end is catch up three or four balls, get 50-odd yards and score a touchdown. It's not rocket science. I'm not saying, I wasn't going to say it's not difficult, but then someone might try and put me out there and we'll see how difficult it really is. <laughs> so but if you want to wait on tight end and you, you know, the Titans offense is one of these that actually looks like one of those that there is value everywhere. I don't think there's a single player on the Titans offense. If you look at their ADP, you go, that's disgracefully high. The potential bargains all over, and he is the biggest bargain of all of them, potentially. Those that make metrics-based decisions like us at Rotoviz, we are going to hang on, Neil, on that Marcus Mariota cliff until we fall off. There is value there. You're totally right. He has the Konami code. He runs a little bit. He had that incredible efficiency in the red zone, right, for all those years. Very frustrating between Delaney Walker and Corey Davis, all the weapons that they have. There should be value there. We have Adam Humphreys there now. I mean, I'm with you. Marcus Mariota, we're hanging on a cliff, aren't we? Absolutely. As I say, you know, if put it this way, if your backup is Blaine Gabbert, you're, you're going to play, you know, whether your arm's falling off or not. Unless they absolutely have to get you off the field, you're going to play. They replace him with Ryan Tannehill, who's not been great. You know, he's not been a world beater. He's, you know, I said on the, you know, the wrote of his wrote on the world player, um, world famous draft kit. I said he was a he was a digestive biscuit. You did. You know, that it, was a great video. It's a- yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, it's it looks like if you ask for food, I will give you a digestive biscuit. It's not exciting. It's not flashy, but it'll do. It might do a job, and that's what Ryan Tannehill is. 
Now, is he going to push Mariota? No, Mariota will push himself if he is healthy and he you know, doesn't have nerve damage in his arm. So I just think, you know, as we say, if we're guilty of anything, Arotovis, it's of being loyal to the end. I mean, Stephen Hill still might happen. Don't close the door on Marvin McNutt's NFL career. We will back these players through thick and thick, but hopefully thin as well. I'll join you with Christine Michael. Exactly. Packersnews.com reported that Aaron Jones is the clear number one running back in Green Bay. Now, this is coach speak, reporter speak, Neil, so you got to take this with a grain of salt. It was, quote, we've seen it in the spring. He's been their guy. However, he's had multiple injuries and that suspension as well. I have an unhealthy attraction myself to RB1s in passing offenses because they usually are great values and they're not going in round one or two like Jones and Marlon Mack. Where do you fall on Aaron Jones? And if he stumbles, who's your backup flavor in Green Bay? See, I'm a big fan of Aaron Jones. It was um, one of our colleagues, I say, he hasn't written for a while, but it was Nick Frost, one of my countrymen, who first brought him to my attention a few years back saying how ridiculously productive and efficient he was at UTEP. So I've always had an eye on him. And, you know, when the Packers took him and he was a fifth round uh, pick and when he got a chance, he was productive. It was like, you know, this is great. You know, this is someone that I got hold of in a number of dynasty leagues. So I was very happy with him. It was just always one of those. It was like, when are the Packers going to say, okay, you're the guy. And it didn't happen last year because they kept, you know, this quaint notion that it's totally unquantifiable. Anyone, unless you're a hardcore tape grinder, that he wasn't very good in pass protection. Well, don't ask him to do it then. You know, again, not rocket science. It's taken this new coaching staff who've had him for two minutes and, you know, probably just have some slight tenuous links to the regime that drafted him to come out and say, yeah, he's the guy, but ultimately he's a fifth down pick that we've seen previous coaching staffs or previous coaching staffs led by Aaron Rodgers get him off the field at the first opportunity they can. So while it's useful going into the season that he may be the guy, there's still so many question marks about this offense because we just don't know what Matt LaFleur wants to do with it based on his background from where he's come from and what he did last year with Derrick Henry. I mean, he he faffed around with Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis until week 13. And then I'm not going to compare Derrick Henry with Aaron Jones because they're two completely different beasts. So I think it's positive that they are prepared to say he's the guy now, but it could change because ultimately Matt LaFleur has no real loyalty to him. He didn't pick him. He's just been landed with him. Listen, you start with him, and if he's hot, you ride. I remember that Dallas Cowboy game a couple of years ago where he had like 30-plus PPR fantasy points, but they have guys in waiting if they have to, and if it gets into a murky situation, he's going to be one of these guys, Neil, that's either going to smash and have a tremendous year or he's going to be way, way down on value. It's, it, there's no going to be no in between with Aaron Jones because you're, you're going to either pull your hair out or you're going to have to have gotten a huge, huge value. Absolutely. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory factory.
Next segment, Neil. F. Mary Kill. Always popular here. Wide receiver one edition. So here are wide receiver ones that have a pedigree of success, that have history and have performed. But coming into this year, there are question marks. Location, competition for targets, or just bad quarterback play, offensive line play. So F. Mary Kill. Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, A.J. Green. Right. I'm going to kill Antonio Brown because he's, anno- <laughs> he's annoying. And, you know, as much as I say, I have spoke about diva wide receivers in the past, and where I grew up in the NFL, as it were, with Randy Moss, with Terrell Owens, I don't hate it. If It's not arrogance if you've got the game to back it up, as one of my close friends always says. And more often than not, these guys have the game. But I just think it's just... In week five, we'll see Antonio Brown absolutely wide open on a you know a post route, and Derek Carr will miss him, and we will see the hissy fit to end all hissy fits. So I can do without that. Um, the other two, I'm going to marry AJ Green just because I've I've loved him from afar for a long, long time, and you know last year he was the wide receiver eight in the first eight weeks of the season, despite the fact that everyone thinks the Bengals' offense was terrible. No, it wasn't. It wasn't terrible. It just wasn't great. And then he got injured, and then Dalton fell off a cliff as well. So I've always loved AJ Green. I think he could bounce back. He's someone who his ADP at the moment is a you know it's a it's a spelling mistake because I think he's still potentially a wide receiver one, and you're getting him in the third fourth round. So that would mean you know I'm going to f Mike Evans because let's be honest, he just catches the ball and falls down. But ultimately, opportunity trumps efficiency in the NFL and in fantasy football. And if he's going to get 150 targets, he's going to catch a lot of them and he'll score touchdowns. I'm not going to feel great about it. We'll stay together for the kids or whatnot, but that's the order I'll go with. <laughs> that is a perfect argument and breakdown. And if I told you a year ago we'd be killing Antonio Brown, you never would have believed it. But it's funny how things could change in one year. What is the best birthday or Christmas gift, Neil, you received as a child? See, this is a tough one because I've always been, you know, I like to think I'm always ridiculously grateful whenever anyone gets me a present, uh, you know, just because I, I, I wouldn't buy me presents. Let's put it that way. No, I think I'm an idiot, so I, don't, I, I choose not to bestow <laughs> affection on idiots. But the one that jumped to my mind when I first uh, heard the question was, I think I must have been out four or five, maybe five or six and my birthday is six days before Christmas, so these all tend to bleed into one, so I don't know if it was birthday or Christmas, but I got the Castle Grayskull playset. Oh, good one. Oh, oh it, it was it was incredible. It was so big. It was and the best thing that I like to do about it was I used to knock it on its side so it looked then, it, as opposed to standing up it now looks like a cave it's got caverns and stalactites from where you stood it up so yeah that was I, I, I've, I may have had better I may have had more expensive but for the lasting memory I mean I, it's, it comes down to this I don't know why Skeletor con- consistently wanted to take over Castle Grayskull because it was a dump but mine was it was my dump and I wanted to play with it all the time Skeletor was so cool looking. I mean, who, when you're a kid, the skull, the whole thing, you always root for the bad guys, right? That is an excellent, excellent answer. One of the great, sorry, just to one of the great uh, Twitter followers, um, not NFL related or whatnot, is at Grumpy Skeletor. And it's basically, a, it's an English bloke, uh, and he puts pictures of from the you know Masters of the Universe cartoon, and he basically describes how much he hates He Man. Uh, so it's very, very irreverent and quite offensive and very funny. Uh, that'll be a follow as soon as we get off this interview. Next up, Dynasty Trade Question. 
person needs to make a move. They don't have many future rookie picks next year, but they feel they have a shot to win the Dynasty League this year. So the question is, do you go for it or not? I think we know what it is. But he's been offered a 2020 first-round pick. Usually he thinks it's going to be in the top half and Cortland Sutton for Keenan Allen. So I guess the question here is, do you believe in Cortland Sutton versus Deshaun Hamilton? He's got Flacco. Keenan Allen's in a great offense, but he's older. Is the 2020, does that make it up? Where do you fall on this dynasty trade question? See, I'm, I, I, it's one of those, I don't, not a big fan of picks, you know, of trades where you get future picks because I'm of the Brian Billick school, you know, well, what position does cap space play? You know, they, that can't help me now, but that, this 2020 class, by all accounts, across a number of positions, looks good. Now, Cortland Sutton was disappointing as a rookie, but he's playing on a disappointing offense, so we can't just pin it all on him. Keenan Allen is great, but there is the worry that maybe are we seeing, you know, if put this way, is that upset about Madden? So it's a question of do you want someone who's upset about the Madden rating on your dynasty team? You know, that's, that's a standard I think you should be setting. I would be inclined to take it. It depends how stacked the rest of the roster is, but with... Very few picks in the future. You want to win this year, obviously, but this one can help you win next year and could set you up to win a few more years down the line. So I'd say thanks very much, Keenan. Take your 67-rated short route running somewhere else. Fantasy football trick-or-treat time with Neil Dutton here. Are the players that are returning tricking fantasy owners at their current ADP, or are they a treat? Now, we're assuming half-point PPR for the running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, but let's start with a quarterback, Matt Ryan, QB6. Oh, this is a treat. I mean, Matt, Matt Ryan has, has filled the air with footballs uh, pretty much the whole of his career, and now he gets to quarterback, who despises running the ball, literally can't stand it, hates it with a passion. He's got Julio Jones, still you know one of the best. Calvin Ridley should be a year better. It should be better in his second year. They've got Austin Hooper, an emerging tight end. They've got no real stud running back to pin their hat on because Devonta Freeman was good for two years, but has been terrible since. Ito Smith is meh. Brian Hill, another wrote of his favourite. We will not forsake you, Brian. But Matt, Matt Ryan could be an absolute superstar this year. Tom Brady, Neil, at QB13. What do you think? No Gronkowski. This is a trick. You know, in the words of Admiral Akbar, this is a trap. Um, Tom Brady, if if you get fancy points for how great players have been over the last 20 years, then he's, you know, first overall selection. Unfortunately, the, unless Scott Fish has added that particular rule, it doesn't happen very often. They're going to run the ball. They haven't got the weapons. Tom Brady's fantasy production is on yards and touchdowns. He showed last year that that had fallen off. And I just, you know, quarterback 13, you're banking on someone being having weeks where he's going to be among the best. And I just don't think he's going to have them. So this is a huge trick. You know, the whole story with Adam Gaze that came out with Le'Veon Bell, how he wasn't interested in having him on the team. And, of course, Le'Veon, Connor came in and produced just as well. So where do you fall on Le'Veon Bell at RB7? Yeah, it scares me uh, because I don't trust Gaze. Adam Gaze has been an offensive genius on every team he's had Peyton Manning on, which, you know, that you know that must take some doing you know, to, to look good when you've got Peyton Manning. You look what he had with the, the Bears. You look what they were in Miami. They're slow-paced. They're boring. There's, you know, there's no great quarterback play. The offensive line is not going to be as good as it was for the Steelers. So we all know Le'Veon Bell is ridiculously patient as he waits for his blocks to develop and he can see the lanes opening up for him. But what happens when they don't open up? You know, he's going to, you know, he should earn his corn catching a few passes from Sam Darnold, but... Running back seven, I want him to run the ball and I want him to get lots of yards and I can't get behind anyone 
in an Adam Gase offense. Well, you want to run the ball. We talked about this with the Patriots with Brady. Then where do you fall on Sony Michelle as RB21? See, the half, P- half point PPR, this always goes against Sony Michelle because, bless him, I've seen traffic cones offer better, you know, offer more return in the passing game than uh, Sony Michelle. His knees are a concern. He's been unhealthy all offseason. And, you know, despite what they say, yes, they, they did spend a first round pick on him. They've also spent another top 100 pick on Damian Harris. The rule seems to have been with the Patriots running backs because it is a ridiculously fertile ground for fantasy points. The Patriots backfield is take the cheapest one. And this year, it looks like that's going to be Damian Harris. So I'd rather do that at his ADP than risk Sony Michelle at his. For some reason, I cannot get to the Tyler Lockett wide receiver one thought in Seattle. I have this this phrase for the shorter receivers. I call them muskrat, my muskrat love. Like I, I can't get fully invested in those receivers. Brandon Cooks has performed, and I struggle every year to put him up in that area. So if that's the case in Seattle, I guess I'm saying two parts here. Are you sold on Lockett? And if not, do you think DK Metcalf out of wide receiver 43 is a trick or a treat? See, I can't get behind Lockett because what he did last year broke mathematics. It was, you know, it was he shouldn't have been as efficient as he was. Now, I'm not saying that maybe Tyler Lockett isn't the most wide, uh, efficient wide receiver in NFL history. I've not seen it over the course of several seasons. We've seen it once, so it could happen again, but I don't think it will because you look at all the numbers that are going against Seattle. In terms of, we know they're going to run the ball because that's what Brian Schottenheimer loves to do. We know Russell Wilson probably can't replicate that touchdown rate that he had. Could he still have an efficient link up with Tyler Lockett? Yes, but Lockett could see more targets this year. So by definition, his efficiency could drop. But I don't think he's going to have enough receptions or yards to make up for the fact that he's not going to score 10 touchdowns on 70 targets. So I cannot get behind him as a wide receiver one. And because I've seen how ridiculously run-heavy they're going to be, it's hard for me to get behind anyone in this passing game, especially someone as raw as DK Metcalf. I mean, yeah, he can run very fast in a straight line. I think NFL defensive coordinators might know this and might try and stop him doing it. So unless he can literally burn past every cornerback he faces and Russell Wilson can retain an an unsustainable touchdown rate. Even that price is someone I'm really not interested in. Well, the reverse of that last one here for Fantasy Trick or Treat, the ageless wonder Larry Fitzgerald. We project the Cardinals offense to have tremendous volume. We talked about on the draft kick could have the biggest increase in terms of production, play production from one year to the next in NFL history. Larry Fitzgerald, wide receiver 39. What do you think? See, I think that's, I think that's a treat because you look at these pieces that are coming in Arizona, you know, the new offensive um, philosophy, the new head coach, the new quarterback, the new wide receivers, the new system. Yeah, it's all new. It's not a guarantee it's going to work. So if we want to tap into any fantasy value that we know uh, in Arizona, we know Lyle Fischel is going to produce. Now, is he going to get 150 targets? Probably not. He's getting up there in age. This could be his last hurrah. But... Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk had a good rookie season, but obviously got injured. You think he's an ascending talent. But at Larry Fitz's price there, you look at some of the wide receivers that are going around the same time as him. In PPR, he's going to get his. He's just not going to score 
you know, nine, ten touchdowns or put up 14 to 1,500 yards. But at that price, he's going to have weeks where, as your third wide receiver or flex, he could just be the difference that puts you over the edge that week. So I think that's a tr- uh, that's a treat. Totally agree with you. Colts fan writes in here, I love the potential of my team this year, but I'm struggling to assess the fantasy values. Obviously, Luck, T.Y. Hilton are set, but do you prefer Marlon Mack at round two, three, or do you like Naeem Hines a little bit later round six? As for wide receiver, do I really believe in Devin Funches? Can he be a, a reliable wide receiver three with both Ebron and Doyle, siphoning targets, not to mention Paris Campbell? Who are the landmines and who are the buys here in the Colts offense? See, we've had a discussion of this in our well, this Slack, uh, Slack chat the other, uh, the other day regarding Naeem Hines. Now, he wasn't particularly efficient last year. He just got quite a few opportunities in the passing game. I think he had 81 targets. Now, if we assume that the Colts are better than they were last year, because they did start one and five, so they were chasing a lot of games until they realised, oh, look, we can protect Andrew Luck. Let's do that instead, uh, instead of having him run for his life. Then if we assume Marlon Mack is going to be the bell cow, then in terms of volume, we know that Hines is a better pass catcher probably than Mack. But Mac should get the volume. So making him, you know, rounds two or three, you know, if you've started wide receiver, wide receiver, as a first running back, he's probably the type of player you want. Whereas Naheem Hines at best is going to be a you know running back three flex option. And you're gonna hope for negative game scripts for the Colts. The wide receivers, I mean, I like Devin Funches. I think, you know, when Cam Newton was good a few years ago, Devin Funches was good. Then last year, Cam Newton fell off a cliff and Devin Funches fell off a cliff. So if we assume that Andrew Luck is, you know, a stabilising factor at quarterback and can raise production from players who've not done it elsewhere before, yes, I am looking at you, Eric Ebron, then maybe Devin Funches could be the 2019 Ebron. I'm not saying he's going to score 13 touchdowns, but he could be this player that the Colts look to in the high leverage situations, you know, the obvious passing uh, downs, the red zone, you know, the goal-to-go situations. And he could return weekly wide receiver three value just on touchdown upside. So, I mean, yeah, we've still got Jack Doyle. We've still got Eric Ebron. And Paris Campbell is... He's a bit of a project. You know, it's very similar to what the Panthers, again, we have to go back to the Panthers, what they have in Curtis Samuel, in that we don't really know what he does well at this level yet. So why not trust a player who has shown he can do it with competent quarterback play in Devon Funches? The way you described that offense was brilliant. And you know what it adds up to, Neil? By Andrew Luck. That's what it means. Forget about worrying about the receivers. Go with the guy there who's going to produce. Luck could be the QB1 this year if everything breaks right. Absolutely. Uh, I think it was, uh, was it Rumford Johnny who used to say, was it buy, buy the pancakes, not the syrup? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Gosh, the guy, folks, he's got so many things at the tip of his head. It's incredible. His brain is like a mad scientist here. You've been to a million sporting events. You tweet about them on, on, on Twitter. You have so many great things and experiences that you can talk about. Your knowledge covers so many sports. What is the best sporting event you've ever been to live? See, I've been to, you know, I've been to a few NFL games at Wembley. Um, I've I saw the the first one at Wembley, which was one of the worst bits of sport I've ever seen in my life. It I was remember the Dolphins. That. Yep. Oh, yep. it was just it rained forever before that game, and it was just literally Wembley was not prepared for the kicking it took from this game that people still didn't quite fully understand. The next year, the Saints against the Chargers, one of the best games I've ever seen on any format, wherever there. But it's 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 personal to me but I was at Headingley Stadium in Leeds 
for Michael Vaughan's comeback test for England against the West Indies. He hadn't played for 18 months. He was the captain when England beat Australia to win the Ashes for the first time in 20 years. And on his return to the side, he made 100. I may have cried. I can't confirm or deny that. I was a 26-year-old man and drink had been taken. But that was, from a personal <laughs> point of view, that is, is up there for me. Neil Dutton always delivers. That's exactly the type of answer that I wanted when I put this question in the show sheet. Moving back to redraft, I'm stuck between two players with major question marks. Do you prefer Dalvin Cook with the volume but the injury history, including college, or Damian Williams, who's unproven and could be just in four-set redux? See, this is the thing. I'm inclined to go with Damian Williams because I know Dalvin Cook uh, had his knockers coming into the NFL because of, you know, poor, he had a poor combine, as it were, and he has been cursed by injury. Excuse <coughs> us. Now, obviously, it looks like the role is his. You know, I'm no great lover in Alexander Matterson. But we've seen that the Vikings do want to run the ball more with, you know, Kevin Stefanski as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, like he's really doing that job. And Gary Kubek, we know what he can bring to an offense with his uh, philosophy of running the ball. But. As much as he has maddened me over the years, I really want parts of running backs in Andy Reid offences. Yes, he'll ignore them for large periods of time. My God, I had to sit and watch him ignore Juice Staley, Brian Westbrook, LaShawn McCoy, Jamal Charles. He's done it with all of them. Kareem Hunt, he he loves ignoring them. And then all of a sudden, late in the season, deciding, oh, there you are. Where have you been? Here's the ball. So Damien Williams, you know, from a talent point of view, there's no reason why he was an undrafted free agent. I think it was, you know, a a whole litany of off-field concerns. Again, he showed last year in limited space that he was productive. He's not Kareem Hunt, but he didn't have to be. He's in that good an offense. So I will go with the running back on a coach and an offense that I trust implicitly, despite the fact Dalvin Cook has the draft capital and the greater opportunity. I'll tell you, if if you handicap those players correctly, that is critical to your success because you could take Damian Williams and all of a sudden Carlos Hyde could be in the mix and could throw things off a little bit there. Or you take Dalvin Cook, he gets injured again. And we know the rule, Neil. If you want to win your fantasy football championship, you've got to make the playoffs. And in order to make the playoffs, you cannot bonk on the early rounds unless you hit on Patrick Mahomes last year really late or Zach Ertz or something like that. But if you can just stay afloat, you're going to be in the mix. And Dalvin Cook and Damian Williams are very risky players. That's the problem. You've got to get them right. It's like gambling. Absolutely. I say if you want to risk one of them, you've got to but basically, you've got to be confident that one of their risk is so much greater than the other one. So take that one. Because as, as you say, we've seen untrafted free agent running backs lose their jobs. But we've seen highly drafted running backs who are given a ton of opportunity. We've seen them get injured time and time again. It's just a question of which offense do you want? To, which one do you think, if all things go right, I'm going to get the best value for my investment in. And for me, that's Damian Williams. Let's move to the Lions. Daryl Bevel moves over as offensive coordinator from Seattle. On the surface, this should mean wheels up for On Johnson, who had three PPR RB1 performances over his final five games last season before suffering that knee sprain. But you saw Bevel mess with Chris Carson last year, Rashad Penny, Mike Davis had a lot of touches as well. Theo Riddick is still there. C.J. Anderson is now around. Where do you see the Lions RB touches going this season? I think the the safe assumption is that Kerryon Johnson will have the bulk of the touches. The only problem is that I can see is you don't want him having those empty touches, you know, between the twenties. 
You don't want to then see them roll out CJ Anderson in the goal, you know, uh, the goal to go situations. You don't want to see them wheel Theo Riddick out on third and long for the passing. Because from a passing point of view, Kieran Johnson was a lot better as a pass catcher last year than Theo Riddick was. And he has shown, you know, he has got the speed. He has, he did have games where he was the workhorse back. Now, CJ Anderson obviously came in after basically taking a 12-week dirt nap in 2018 to then decide, OK, fags out, boys, let's play some ball the end of the season. But he's still CJ Anderson. We know who he is. Karen Johnson is the most talented of these backs. And you would hope that if Darren Bevel has learned anything, it is that you ride the hot hand and you don't try and be clever I mean, this is a man who probably thought a few years ago he was going to be an NFL head coach and try to be too clever. That's why you're on your next team as an offensive coordinator, Darrell. So I'd like to think that Johnson is going to be the you know the main guy, but it's a question of whether he can get all touches in all areas and just be spelled occasionally by the other two. I mean, in an ideal world, they'd cut Theo Riddick and save us the trouble because then we know they are not taking carry on Johnson off the field in passing situations for CJ Anderson. That's exactly right. If they cut Theo Riddick, it is wheels up for carry on Johnson. That is a hundred percent correct. Time for redraft lightning round. Neil, here we go. One or the other. Who do you like Leonard Fournette or Derek Henry? Derek Henry. Um, I, I prefer my running backs um, to actually stay on the field and average more than 3.2 yards a carry. Oh, you don't say that's high expectations. That's really unreasonable. I'm, I'm a demanding man. J- Jordan Howard or Lamar Miller. I can't really say Lamar Miller after what I said but earlier, can I? So Jordan Howard, because I just think he's got a good chance of starting the season as the man in possession. He may lose that job to Miles Sanders down the line, but I can't can't take Lamar Miller. I just can't do it. You had a great article for number fire, Diggs or Thielen this year? I would take Stefan Diggs. As you say, um, for number five, I noticed that after Kevin Stefanski took over, as I say, he was the offensive coordinator then. Um, they went ridiculously run-heavy um, as opposed to their philosophy under John Filippo. But when they were forced to pass, they did keep feeding Stefan Diggs. So whether that's Kirk Cousins, if I have to pass, I want, I'm going to trust you more than Adam Phelan. I don't know. So I think they're going to be slightly more balanced. They're not going to go ridiculous. They're not going to go Seattle-style in the run game. They're not going to go Pittsburgh style in the passing game. They're going to be nice and balanced, but I would take Stephon Diggs at his ADP at the moment over Adam Thielen's. Corey Davis or Dante Pettis, two wide receivers that people are somehow mentioning as potential wide receiver one upside. Which one do you like better? I like Dante Pettis just because of the two of them, I think he has the best chance of being the wide receiver one in his offense. I think what the Titans have done in drafting A.J. Brown is they've said, we tried to pigeonhole Corey Davis as a number one. Maybe he's not. So we'll have A.J. Brown. He can be our number one. So Corey Davis can go back to being a number two and being a nice complimentary piece. And there you can get the best out of him. Whereas Dante Pettis was the best wide receiver that, that on the 49ers last year, probably by some distance. He's still there. He's another year older. So I think in terms of volume and opportunity, he's got the better chance of being the guy on his team out of the two of them. For tight ends, Jared Cook moves to a team that has a lot of passing volume. Vance McDonald's on a team that has a lot of passing volume. But tight ends typically in New Orleans don't always produce at that level. And in Pittsburgh, Vance McDonald has injury concern issues. Who do you like better? 
Um, I'm going to take Vance McDonald. It does pain me because I do like uh, do like Jared Cook and have done for some time. But it's as you say, I think the opportunity that Vance McDonald has, assuming he can stay fit, there's no Jesse James to siphon off targets. The idea that you know the wide receivers are going to come in and scrap for the Antonio Brown vacated targets, it's not going to affect Vance McDonald because he doesn't line up in the slot. He's in line tight end. He can get his there. And as you say, Jared Cook... They are crying out for another option on the Saints because you've got Michael Thomas, you've got Alvin Kamara, and then what? Now, it's, yeah, it sounds terrible that you've only got potentially the best wide receiver and one of the best running backs, but you still need more. And Jared Cook can do that, but since Jimmy Graham left, their tight ends have been a bit meh, and you just worry that Jared Cook will just be another in the long line of meh. So I'll take Vance McDonald. People got burned when they took Jimmy Graham in like first round, pick six, pick five, even after that big 16 touchdown year. That's exactly right. Last one here, Ronald Jones, Peyton Barber in Tampa or other? Uh, um, the way it's, it's talked up, Ronald Jones has come on and said that he's put on 20 pounds of muscle. No, you haven't. You've put on 20 pounds. And if you put on on 20 pounds in this much of a hurry, you're going to tear a hamstring. It's going to happen. This is what happened with Hayden Hurst for the Ravens. He kind of went, I've added 20 pounds of muscle, pulls a hamstring first day of training camp. Well done. Great idea. Ronald Jones was not a great prospect for me coming in because he was being compared. The, The best comparison I ever heard was, he's like Jamal Charles, but without the receiving ability. So nothing like Jamal Charles then. Um, he's, he, he didn't have many chances last year, but when he got them, he was terrible. And the the history of running backs taken as high as Ronald Jones and flaming out as spectacularly as rookies, the odds of them going on to be anything other than busts, it's not great. So Peyton Barber is okay. He's a good, honest pro. And quite frankly, that's an ups- a more upside than what I think Ronald Jones has got. All right, last question, Neil. You've been amazing as always. Great knowledge, great stories, the whole bit. We thank you for your time here. I just got one more. You can't win your fantasy draft, like I said, in the first two rounds, but you certainly can lose it. Last year, David Johnson, Jordan Howard, he got me. Rob Gronkowski also got me last year in this on the same team in the same league. Terrible first two picks. They all harpoon their fantasy teams. So who are those landmines for our listeners? Who are the guys that are going to go early that you think if you take them, you could pretty much kiss your season goodbye? James Conner worries me. Now, it's not because of him per se, because as you pointed out, and as everyone knows, last season in relief of Le'Veon Bell, he was very, very good until he wasn't. He didn't look like he could properly shoulder the load of the Le'Veon Bell, you know, he's going to get all the carry. He's going to get all the targets out the backfield as well. So obviously he may be, you know, he's going to be recovered now. He's, you know, he's had a good offseason to rest up. And the Pittsburgh Steelers historically have been a one running back backfield, but they've never had a player like Jalen Samuels before. I mean, this is a guy, he was a tight end slash H-back in college, so he can play as a running back. He can play on the wing. He can go a tight end. He can split out wide. He showed last year that he is a special player who can produce in the NFL. I don't think in all consciousness you can keep him off the field just because you're a one-back team. It doesn't happen. So I think Connor could see his opportunities not limited. I don't think he's going to lose his job completely to Jalen Samuels. And I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 split. But I think the amount of work that Samuels could command in favour of Connor makes Connor a risky pick 
given where he's going at the moment. He has to drop a, a round or two for me to be comfortable, comfortable, confident and comfortable with taking him just because I think Jalen Samuels is that good. Just like the old uh, Jim Carrey fire marshal Bill Skitt, safety first. And Neil Dutton is telling you, if you want to be safe early on, avoid James Conner. Neil Dutton, folks, Rotoviz, he does an outstanding job here at Rotoviz. Number fire, Roto Underworld, two QBs. Hardest working man over the pond. He's hilarious. Great follow on Twitter. Dutton 13 Interact with him. Get on the Patreon Slack channel. You can go back and forth with him. Great guy, great friend. Neil, thanks so much, man. You killed it. Looking forward to having you in the mailbag later this year as well. Oh, that'll be great. Thank you very much for having me, Kyle. Have to go and talk to my, my family now, I suppose. You know, they, they get to suffer now. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio and at randallrant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Ready, set, save California? It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure-ready Explorer or the all-new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford F-150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So ready, set, save. The Labor Day Salathon is on now, but don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September 3rd. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.